Last week we were talking about the uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus back to their home and how Jesus opened up the scriptures to them. He talked about the scriptures, expounded on them, and they were so excited about hearing all of those stories throughout the Old Testament and started to see the deep meaning of all the things that they already had heard about but just didn't see it until Jesus was expounding it to them. They didn't even realize that it was, it was Jesus who was uh, the one that was walking with them. They didn't even realize that. But they were so intrigued with all that he said that when they got home, he, he was asked to come into their home. And I hope that we see that we need to ask Jesus to come in. We need to be a people who are inviting him to be in the midst of our church here. We need to invite him into our hearts we need to invite him into our homes, just like these two people at Emmaus. When the breaking of the bread happened, their eyes were opened and they saw him for who he really was. And I was talking about how he, they had, all of a sudden they had a new vision because their eyes were opened. They had a new purpose because of that. And not only did they have this new purpose, they set out to actually do the new purpose. They immediately ran back to Jerusalem. They wanted to be with the other disciples. They went in with the fellowship, and then Jesus appeared to them again right there in that room. He just appeared to them. So, this week I want to talk about what opened their eyes. And what opened their eyes was the breaking of bread. It was that sitting down with Jesus, having a meal with Him, Him blessing the food, and Him breaking the bread, and at that moment their eyes were opened. So we're going to be in... 1 Corinthians, if you would like to turn there, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 11, parts of each. And I, I want you to see something in this uh, breaking of bread. You know how if someone passes away, there's a funeral service, and then it's very common that all the people will come and gather and have a meal. That's just, that's just something about that, right? Well, that was actually Jewish custom way back, from way back, that in honor and in remembrance of the person who had passed away, they would come together and eat and drink. And there are places in, in the Bible that talk about uh, 
talk about that and actually talk about you're not going to be allowed to do this because that person was not doing what they were supposed to do. That's in Jeremiah 16, 7 and 8, and uh, Hosea 9, 4, talking about that was their custom to do. And we've, we, in this country, this country was founded on biblical principles. So a lot of what we do in this country traditionally comes out of the Bible, whether you know it or not. Now, I want you to think of a verse as I get ready to read out of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read a verse out of Mark 10.45. This is Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So think about that. All right, starting in uh, verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What say I then? that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink, of, drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils, Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Or are we stronger than he? So what was going on back in those days, there was, uh, you know, in Corinth, Corinth was a very corrupt city. Anytime you have a major city, there's a lot of corruptions that, that will go on. It was like that back then, it's like that today. When you have a huge number of people that, especially a coastal uh, city where people are coming from other parts of the world to this place, it can be pretty bad pretty quick. Now there was the church at Corinth. If you read through Corinthians, you will see that Paul had a time with those people. He was constantly having to correct them on things. It was, it, this book is a, a book on reproof. And there were lots of idol worshiping going on around them. And the false religions of the world, they'll copy the one good true religion of the world. And they also have sacrifices to their pagan idol gods. Now, when he says that you cannot, in 21, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils, does that mean that 
physically you can't do it, it'd be like me saying, hey, you can't jump out of that five-story building. Oh, yeah? Watch me. You know, a, you, a person could do it, but that would be the end of things, right? When we say you can't do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person is not physically able to go do what you just said you can't do. It's just a figure of speech. You tell people you can't do that, well, you know, if you do, then this bad thing's going to happen, and then there won't be anything else. So it's the end of things. What was happening here is there were people who were participating in both, and he, they're being told, you cannot do that. You, you're either the one or the other. You cannot commingle these things. I want you to see that this here in chapter 10 is talking more about the Lord's table and not necessarily the Lord's supper. Is there a difference? Is there a difference between the two? We are to look into those things that differ. We are to rightly divide the word of truth. So we need to see something. Let's go over to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 17. Now he's gone through, leading up to that, he's going through the order of the church, proper order of things. And so we're going to go to 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now that can be confusing. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. What, what, what was going on back then? Now, if, if you uh, go back and read in the Gospels, Matthew 26, or Mark 14, uh, Luke 22, and, and, and uh, you can check me on those. I don't even think I wrote those down. But just that by, by memory, I'm thinking of the Passover meal that the Lord had with his disciples in the upper room. Notice how when they were to... It, it had become time that the Passover lamb was to be killed. Well, you know who Jesus really was. He was the Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God. And it had become that time, and he had sent a couple of his disciples to go out, and he said, you, you will see... Uh, a man carrying a pitcher of water, follow him, go to his house, tell him that we have need of 
a place to have the Passover meal. The Master, the Lord, He needs a place to have the Passover meal with His disciples. And that man was like, yeah, okay. And, 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 they, and so here it is. And it was an upper room. And it was a big room. And the disciples went in and made things ready. That was also referred to as the Last Supper. In the process of getting it all together, there was one of the disciples who was in the process of betraying him. And even though Jesus knew he was being betrayed, he still went through this Passover meal with his disciples, with Judas being right there with them. And during the Passover meal, Judas actually is participating in the, the, the Passover meal. But I think that Judas is... You have to go to John, the Gospel of John, and I think Judas is told... Uh, go do what you're, you got to do. And he leaves. And I think that's when Jesus did the Last Supper, or did the Lord's Supper. He broke the bread. You know, the table and the altar are synonymous. You will see an, the examples of the Lord's table throughout the Old Testament, and you'll see it in the New Testament. But you never see the Lord's Supper in the Old, only in the New Testament. Any person who is born again, they believe on the Lord Jesus, they are in the kingdom of God, and therefore they are always present at the Lord's table. Think about that. What, what do you get from the table? Provision. The things you need to give you the energy to do the things you do during the day, and it will keep you alive, right? You go to the table. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, I, I can remember working with some guys a long time ago, and they were talking about how when they were teenagers, they would go over to a farm to work with this farmer. And one of the main reasons that they love to go help that farmer is because his wife. You, have you heard the phrase, she keeps a good table? She keeps a good table. What does that mean? Does that mean that it's a nice, solid wood polished up? So those boys would come in from working for lunch. They would come in, and they would walk in and go, wow, look at that table. That's a nice table. Look at how sturdy it is, made out of some awesome wood. They weren't one bit interested in the table. They were interested in what she put on the table. And they... And they, they they so loved what she would make for lunch that they, do you need help tomorrow? They wanted to come back. So think about, it can be the most awesome table, but if you're not getting anything from the table, what good is it? Now, the Lord's table is awesome. We get our salvation from the Lord. We get our, our nourishment spiritually, and physically, all the blessings, everything comes from the Lord's table. 
So don't think that we come together so we can come up to the Lord's table. You're always at the Lord's table if you are a child of God. You're always there. Now, we are instructed in the Scriptures to come together. You know, and, and really, it, in 10, it talks about communion and fellowship. Notice in 10, notice over in chapter 10, in 16 it says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And then it says, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And then it talks about what the bread means. We, the bread here is us. But over in the other chapter, in 11, it says that, right, I got I to read a little further. I praise you not, 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now over in 10, it talks about, it starts with the cup. But over in 11, talking about the Lord's Supper, he, he takes the bread first. Why, is, is, that a, is, that a, is something being said there? And the Lord's table, for, for you to be a participant at the Lord's table, the blood of Jesus Christ must be shed. And because of it, then you become part of the body of Christ, okay? So the blood and the bread, you being the bread, but here it's uh, bread being broken for you. So at the Lord's Supper, it's not about what we are receiving is what we're giving back to God. When we actually come up to take of the bread and the wine, the bread is, is talked about first. It's the body of Jesus Christ being broken for you, and what happened in His body being broken, His blood was shed, He died, He went into the grave, where you should have went, and then he rose from that. So the, so the bread was broken. All right, I'm trying to find where I was at. All right, betray. For I received unto the Lord, all right, uh, and when he had given thanks, same night he, he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. We, we take the Lord's Supper, why? Because it's for remembrance of Him. After the same manner, also He took the cup. When He had supped, so he, after He had eaten, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So the Lord's table will always be 
The Lord's table will always be. But the Lord's supper is what we do while we're waiting for Him to come back in remembrance of what He did for us. The body being broken, the blood being shed in that order. But the table, it was focused on the blood first and then we becoming the body, the body of Christ. See the difference? Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Okay, now getting back to why he was fussing about these people and how that they were, some were hungry and some were drunken. So what is that all about? Okay, the Passover meal. And then the Lord's Supper was right after it. The Lord's Supper is for saved people. I believe Judas was there during the Passover meal, but then I think he was sent away, and then the actual Lord's Supper happened where he broke the bread and he, he lifted up the juice, you know, and all that. Judas, Judas was not participating in that. That's what I think. You'd have to really look at all the Gospels really hard to come to that conclusion. But he was there for the Passover meal. That's where he would have dipped his hand in the cup. Because you take the bread and you dip that unleavened bread and it was hard, it just wasn't very pleasant to eat and you would dip it in the cup to soften it up and you'd eat. He was part of the Passover meal. But I think he was sent out to do what you are going to do and then it was the breaking of bread. The Lord's Supper is only for those who are born again. Now, what was happening, people in the early church, they were replicating the Passover meal, so they would come together at the church and they would, they would all eat a big love meal, an agape meal. That's what they would do. And then, just like the Lord had, had Passover meal with, with His disciples, then they would do the breaking of bread. So they had turned this ordinance of the Lord's Supper into something bad because certain ones who, who were rich they brought in some really nice food, and they would go in and sit at a table over there. Poor people would come in, and they didn't have anything to offer, and they would go away hungry. There were actually people drinking wine to the point where they were drunken, and they were dishonoring the house of the Lord in this whole process, what was supposed to be an ordinance that they were to keep in remembrance of Jesus Christ, they had totally messed it up. You know, it's a, it, it would be a good idea for us on the day that we do the Lord's Supper to actually have a meal. Now, we do it right here. We bring it, people bring things in and we set it out and every, we wait for everybody. They weren't waiting. They were, they were divisions this group would go over here and that group would be over there. You're not welcome with us because you're just not as good as we are. And that's what was going on. But here we would, we would all bring the food in and we would lay it out and then everybody would just wait on everybody else and we would all go through at the same time and we would have a love meal, fellowship together. And then we could take the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Him. But they had got it all messed up. Now, you know, the hard part about Corinthians is, is 
Paul is answering a whole lot of questions, but yet we don't have the questions. Obviously, throughout Corinthians, Paul is addressing a whole lot of questions that were asked, but yet we don't have the questions. So we're trying to figure out what the questions were. And you can come up with the good idea of what they were by the way he answers. So basically, they were playing Jeopardy way back then. <clears throat> so does that make sense? The first part of, of 11 that I read, talking about how he was uh, upset with them by the way they were handling these things. All right. So be very careful about eating the bread and drinking the juice, the, the, the wine. Be careful. Don't do it because the bread represents his body that was broken for you. There's a couple phrases in the Bible that talks about the, uh, the blood of grapes. We, we, we talked about it back when I went through Genesis 49 when uh, Jacob was blessing the 12 sons. And talk, at the end of talking about Judah, talked about how he would, I think it said something about he would wash his clothes in the blood of grapes. There's another reference in the Bible that talks about the blood of grapes. So to eat of it unworthily could cause some bad things to happen. In 28, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or have died. Because they took the Lord's Supper unworthily, they have actually died. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. Wait for each other. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. We don't even know what that was. Paul's telling them, look, this, here's, the, here's the, the, uh, the minimum I need to tell you. Get these things right. And then there's some other issues that you, that you asked about in this letter you wrote to me, and we'll take care of that when I get there, is what he's saying here. Do you remember Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth. You know who he is? Hmm? Grandson. Very good. Huh? Okay, who was his dad? Very good. Jonathan. Jonathan was a very dear friend of King David, right? Jonathan was a very dear friend. Saul 
died in battle along with Jonathan. And many of Jonathan's brothers died in a battle against the Philistines. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, you know what was uh, ailing him? What was his problem? He had a major problem. He was lame because when the news came that Grandpa Saul had died, Jonathan, the father, had died, Mephibosheth, he was five years old, and his nurse grabbed hold of him and took off running with him, and they fell, and he must have broken his legs or ankles when he was little, five years old, and they just was not able to heal correctly, and he was lame the rest of his life. Now, there was some other descendants that were in the kingly line of Saul that certain people... Remember, Saul and David were against each other for, uh, for a long time. Saul was trying to kill David. Saul was very de- jealous of David. And if you know how the, all these monarchies worked, if the king died, then whoever was next in line or who thought they were next in line, they thought they should be put on the throne. So a lot of killing happened. Jonathan's brothers, you know, got knocked off. There were some other kin that got knocked off. Mephibosheth, when he, was he a threat to be put on the throne? King David asked... Are there any descendants left? I want to bless them. I want to give them everything that was Saul's. So they said, yeah, there's one. Mephibosheth probably thought that he was being brought in to be eliminated because David was the new king. He was probably terrified to actually go before David. But David, who is a type and picture of Jesus Christ who wants to restore, Jesus wants to restore to us everything that Adam lost to believers. Saul lost everything. King Saul lost everything. And now this grandson is a type and picture of us, our ancestor lost it all, we're lame, we can't do anything for ourselves, we cannot provide for ourselves. And if, this, is, this is in 2 Samuel 9.13. At the very end of the story, it says that uh, Mephibosheth, he did eat continually at the king's table. His his needs were met at King David's table for the rest of his life. So if you just read that for what it says, he did eat continually at the king's table. Well, he must have been a big dude. He ate continually. It doesn't mean that. It means that whenever he needed something, he was welcome at the king's table. King David was going to take care of him forever. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us in inviting us to his table and we can come to the table anytime. So there's plenty more I could get into as far as you know, making judgments 
as far as, you know, in a church setting, if, you, if you're living some type of secret sin in your life, and uh, that's, I, I, I can't tell anybody not to come to the table because you're already at the table anyway if you are a born-again child of God. That's not up to me. The Lord is the one who has prepared the bread and the wine. He is the one that has offered it to His disciples. It's not up to a so-called minister or priest to offer this to anybody. This is between you and God. Okay? I don't think it's right for a minister to, to have to be the one to administer it. I think that's just totally unbiblical. It's between you and Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you. So the table is set so that we can give back to God. We, we and, and what I would like for, for each and every one of you to do, if you need to come up, I, I would like for you just to come up, every person, just on your own, you just come up. I would like for you just to kneel down at the altar. And if there is anything in your life that you need to get right with God, the Bible says judge yourself. And just get it right before God right here. You don't have to come up here to do it. You can do it wherever you're sitting. But if you would come up and then just pray, just you and God pray, and then I'm going to just offer it to you. I'm just going to hold it out here and you take the bread and you take the wine and you eat and you drink. So let's, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we are here today and we are so thankful for the blessing of your table, your provisions for us. And Father, as we come to your house today, we are coming together. We're coming together as a group of believers who are a family. We love each other. We pray for each other. We, we uh, speak your word. And Father, we, we're just coming together to, just for remembrance of you, Father. Father, you instructed us that once we are born again and we are part of your family, that we would be baptized in water. And Father, that we would take the Lord's Supper. That we, when we come to meet on the first day of the week, that we are to break bread and to hear the word preached and to sing songs to you. And Father, we would like to do that today. And Father, each one of us is going to come individually to the throne of grace. We're going to pray to you and show our appreciation for your broken body and your spilled blood. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. To come on up. Y'all can come on up individually. If you need to stay where you are, if you want to stay where you are, you can. But come up and pray. And if I see you still where you are, I'll eventually get, go out there and I can serve you out there if you would like.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Father, as we come here, do these things for you, Father, I pray that you would touch each and every person as we remember everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.